This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Okay, my let's keep it real people. I've been podcasting for over 15 years and I know I get excited about my guests, but I'm really excited about Maggie Cook being on. But before I bring her in, let me just tell you a teeny bit. I mean, this is just a teeny bit about Maggie. She's award-winning business leader and keynote speaker, Dr. Maggie Cook. What? energizes audiences to face challenges at work and in life head on to unlock hidden opportunities. Her present, oh my goodness, her presentations are the bomb. I got to see one of the presentations last year because she was at a novel event in Philly. Woo! You're going to want to book her it, if you know somebody. <laughs> oh my God. All right, let's get back to this. She motivates for sure. She inspires and she helps you discover your inner strength to overcome obstacles with using mind optimization strategies. As a successful Latina businesswoman, Maggie was the CEO and the founder of Maggie's All Natural Fresh Salsa and Dips, a company that grew into a multi-million dollar business. Within four years, I'm just saying. <laughs> Her personal journey to success didn't come easy. From her childhood and throughout her young adulthood, Maggie had to overcome a number of economic and business setbacks that forced her to get resourceful, to say the least, and look for other paths to reach her goals. This is Maggie. Maggie, I'm so excited. Thanks for being on the show. I'm excited to be here with you again. This is awesome. I know it just worked out. Maggie interviewed me live and now I get to have her on the show. And this is just coincidental and we didn't plan it. I just finished, graduated from Maggie's Speaker Mastery course, what, last week? Yes. <laughs> Which was incredible. But before we get into that, Maggie, I always ask my guest one word to best describe your past 30 days, whatever the word is that pops into your head, and then why'd you pick it? Passionate. Passionate. Yes. Okay, tell us more, Maggie. So I'm picking this word, this word, because I'm really, really passionate about what I'm doing, the direction that we're going with business, with speaking and speaker coaching. And I'm on fire. I am so committed to delivering, going above and beyond, making a difference uh, in other people's lives so that they can share their message. To me, that's a ripple effect and a ripple effect that is felt uh, even beyond what I can comprehend, because when you get on the stage and you speak one to many, I had a little bit of an impact on that, right? I helped you and others become better at your craft and be able to know everything that you need to know to be successful out there, to get out there more. And it doesn't happen without passion. It doesn't happen without truly being aligned with your why. And that's one of the things that I have to check myself with on every single day. Uh, what is my why? Am I living truly intentional with my why in everything that I do? Family relationships, um, business, everything. So definitely very, very passionate. And I love, love that word. Yeah, I love that word too. All right. We're going to dive into the top two questions I kept getting over and over again when I reached out to my peeps about you coming on. And here was the one of the number one questions. A lot of them feel as if they get to the 11th hour of what they're doing, whether it's a speaking gig, business, career, moving on from a relationship, and something stops them. And these are mostly from, uh, I'd say 60% from women, 40% from men. Mm -hmm. And then they end up going another direction. And sometimes they never come back to it. What keeps you from doing that? Because so several of them have read your book, but they mm -hmm. just want to know what is it that keeps you from not just stopping when you get frustrated at the 11th hour? And so many of them have done that. Yes. I would say that the biggest thing that I could speak to that is your why is not strong enough. 
your why is not strong enough for that which you want to accomplish. It doesn't matter how frustrated you get, how overwhelmed, the resiliency, the resourcefulness, the relentlessness is there if your passionate why is strong enough. And this is why it's so important to revisit that because it's okay to change and tweak your why to make it even more powerful or ask yourself, is this even aligned anymore? Because it's okay to change directions. But you also have to ask yourself a question is, is there an underlying factor that's holding you back that you can't even realize or think about that's subconscious, that's somehow related to your past, that is coming up, but you don't realize it's coming up that you need to look at? Because I know a lot of people that have gotten to a certain point and they want to succeed and then they drop it. Is there something that you need to explore deeper within yourself to find and realize? Oh my gosh, what is it? And sometimes for me is journaling or meditating or praying. And it's, you'd be very surprised at what comes up that could either make the decision of, hey, I need to look at this to overcome this, to see why I'm getting stuck here. Or is my why still strong enough? If I was to look at my, strong, my, my passionate why back then, what was it? How is it different now? How can I evolve it? How can I make it even more powerful? And those are sort of the things that you need to look at. And sometimes when you talk about looking within yourself, you might not be able to do it by yourself. You might need help, guidance, someone that could, um, you know, I don't know, therapists, perhaps. And I know a lot of people don't like therapists, right? But there could be a coach, a mastermind group, a group of people that may have had those experiences that can help you. Uh, and this is why I love Speaker Mastery, because we built such a great community. And you can definitely ask questions, talk to each other. And everybody's on a different journey, but everybody has been, experienced so many things in life that can help and support each other in the journey. You know, that's so true about Speaker Mastery. We really feel like we could ask Maggie anything or each other anything but you really forced us to do that you kept saying if we do voxer and if we would privately message you you would say it with a question you're like no 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 put it to the group because somebody else might have that same question and you never made us feel like well, why did you ask that there's never a bad question uh, as a matter of fact here's a fact and i'm gonna admit it because it's so true the process of coaching you and Speaker Mastery Elite members has not only been a growing experience for you, but it's been for me too. Because I've learned things from your experiences. And I have other speakers that have graduated the first group that they've had experiences that I never had. And now we collectively know these things and we know how to deal with and tackle in the future if anything like this comes up, which I love. And this is the power of masterminding. Yeah. Well, you also, which is rare, well, Maggie's just an incredible human being. She's the real deal, but we won't get too much into that right now. You really encourage others to help us. And you're like, oh, I didn't think of that. Like you'll say to somebody else in the group, oh, that's a great idea. You know, thank you, Janine. Thank you, Rachel. You know, thank you, Alicia. Thank you so much. And You'll say, oh, I might add that to the program. You know how many people do that, that run programs? Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, you know, one of the things that I realized with the Speaker Master Elite program is the one thing that I don't tell you it's included, but I give it to you, is the mindset part at the beginning. Because a lot of everybody, every single person that's gone through the program has had an amazing breakthrough of something that was keeping them stuck from the past and being able to have that meeting with me and discern and take the questionnaires, right? You have to very intensive questionnaires because I want to get to the bottom of it. And you and find and, and some, and you find things that you didn't know about yourself because you were so used to looking, your li looking at your life this way. But other people, that, this is why it's so important to bring other people into your life to look at your stuff, your business, because they can see things from their perspective in a way that you've never seen them before. And that's how you can create an amazing breakthrough. 
it's been mind blowing the experiences and the breakthroughs that I've seen because there hasn't been one that's the same. Every person is so unique and the journey has been amazing. Those, the accountability calls, making, making sure that you're on track, all of that, the ask me anything's the margaritas with Maggie. <laughs> that was a throw in. <laughs> that was, that was awesome. So yeah. Well, Maggie, that's... here's the thing. I mean, and I, I hope you know this, you are rare in how much you're willing to give to others so that we can grow and shine bright. I mean, you're an open book. And if yes. you can help us, you'll put us in another direction. Try this, try this, try this. I mean, there is nothing you wouldn't do. And then after we finish your course, you stay with us. Yes. So it's so rare and unique. Yes. But I want to circle back to something you said about hitting a block. And I remember you telling me a little bit about this. But when you wrote the, uh, me, oh, by the way, you see all my little note cards in here of little reminders, like because of topics, like mindful success. And I mean this because if you saw my room, uh, people send me tons and tons and tons of books. It's a gift from God. I mean, you can just feel your heart, soul in this book. And the stories, how you tell them, you it becomes more alive, the message you're giving us. So yes. let's talk about how long did it take you to write this book, Maggie, and why? Because you said you had a bit of a block when writing this yes. book. Yes. I can't I even know. It just flows. I had a big block in writing my first book, and it took me 10 years to write it. And the reason why it took me 10 years is because every time I wanted to write this book so bad about my life and my experiences and my successes, but every time I went into my past, my childhood, I was bombarded with negative emotions, things that made me cry, things that were so painful that immediately they transported me back to where I was in that time and space. And I was so frustrated, but I was also very hopeful to find a solution for this. And I was asking myself and I was asking God in the universe, help me. What can I do to break through from this? Because I really want to write this book so that it's an inspiration to others. And I was sitting in my living room one day and I was praying and I was meditating, praying. They say it's asking God and meditating is listening. So I did both and I was sitting there listening and I heard something that came through very, very strongly, it was so powerful. And it said to me, until you're able to forgive every single person who abused you, who treated you wrong, who did you wrong, unless you're able to forgive them, you're going to be able to write this book. And when I heard that, it wasn't just like, okay, I forgive Juan. I forgive, you know, my mom, my dad. It wasn't that. Yeah. It was, let me reach out to them. And I have chills just talking about them. Let me reach out to them. If, if I can't call them, I'm emailing them. I'm going to find them on Facebook. My list was over a hundred people. And I reached to all, I reach out to all of them. And they're, the responses were amazing, very, very varied, right? Uh, some of them were like, I didn't even know. And some were like, I'm so sorry that this, you know, and, and there's a lot of healing from that. When that happened, everything changed for me. It's sort of like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, a, it felt like a breath of fresh air, like a new beginning, like things opened up for me. My mind opened up and I sat down and I wrote this book in two months. From start to finish. <laughs> From a 10-year block to 10-year block. Happened. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so let's back up for the audience. And I think the big takeaway right here is sometimes it'll take a moment and sometimes it could take years. But if you're feeling blocked, take the time, whether you meditate or pray, as you said, to really listen. Yes. And it, it only reveals itself when you're ready. Yeah. When you're really, really ready. Because we might might struggle in life, 
And we don't see change. We don't see progress. We don't see breakthrough because we are not 100% ready for that. Because what comes after that could be totally life-changing. But if you're not ready for that, yeah, yeah, there's no purpose behind that. So once you had the breakthrough and you knew what you had to do, was it difficult to make those calls or you yes. were just, let's go for it? That was difficult. It was so difficult because I had a lot of hurt. I had a lot of resentment. There are so many emotions involved in all of this. If you think of, if you can think of every type of abuse out there, it was done. And some of the, some of the stuff that I was suffering with was not, and this is, this is really, this is something I've never talked about before. It hadn't necessarily had to do with me, but what I saw other people done to other people that were vulnerable, that I was growing up with in that orphanage. Because one of the things that I told myself growing up was that I, if I ever have kids or if I ever have a culture or family or business, whatever it is, I'm never going to repeat these things. But I resented those people because they made other people suffer. Now, yeah. it was hard for me. Suffering is, is, is a thing, right? You, there, pain and pleasure or happiness and, and pain cannot coexist, coexist at the same time in the body. And, um, but I had, a, I have such a deep emotional um, persona. I don't know how you want to describe it, that I feel other people's pain. And when I saw other people being hurt, it hurt me more as if it was them being hurt, it, like I was being hurt. And so um, it, it, it's been really interesting. I'm, I'm a very emotionally sensitive person that can feel other people. Yeah. And, and I had to learn how to channel suffering because I didn't want to see a certain suffering even today and be taken back. So being able to manage that too, but forgiving and really with the understanding that what I have control of is myself first, my emotions, everything. What's happening outside of me, it's happening for a reason and a purpose for somebody else to learn too. That was a big learning lesson to, for me. Uh, and I've learned, this is crazy amazing. I've learned that if somebody is struggling financially and I would give them all the money in the world, I'm actually doing them a disservice because they're not learning from that. Therefore, it's okay to struggle. As a matter of fact, I believe strongly that the more you struggle in life, the stronger you become in overcoming the things that can, you know, stop you one day, but you have the strength to say, I've been here before, I've overcome this, I can do it again. And you only build that through resiliency, through going through hard times and overcoming adversity. So Maggie, that's actually... There's so much to unpack there, but I want to stay with the the money and giving people money. Did you, I mean, I can speak for myself. Sometimes I probably gave it for the wrong reasons. I was feeling obligated or guilt. I wasn't giving from love. And you're right. It didn't work. Did you ever do that? Or you knew right away not to do that? Oh, no, I did it so many times. Yeah. I, I, you know, and it's, it's been recently, as a matter of fact, you know, this year I've been thinking a lot about this. And when I see somebody struggling, I embrace their struggle, even if they don't know that I'm doing that for them. But I know that the moment that I do something to help them, I could cripple them. So the best way for me to help, the best thing that money can't buy is what you can do through change right here, right here, to really speaking to that. Because when somebody has the ability to change their mindset, their whole life begins to change. It doesn't have to do anything with money. But money is a powerful thing that can cripple people <laughs> pretty easily. So, you know, I used to feel bad and if people gave me a service, I would overpay them for their service. And I saw that they were struggling, you too. And, and, and I stopped that. But the recognition, there's especially like when when I see a struggling server that's serving food, but she's so good at serving, I'm like, she's doing it right. There's no reason to give her a hundred dollar tip for a thirty dollar meal, right? Um, because <laughs> right, and I'm such a giver. I'm telling you, right and left. Um, and but you have to be careful with that. Yeah, you have to create boundaries for that because uh, you might feel good about giving. 
But when they use that money for misappropriation, then you feel really, really, really bad. And now you know <laughs> that it wasn't for the greater purpose of empowering and enriching this person. What else could I do to touch their heart and their brain to teach them how to fish yeah. so that they can actually go out there and, and, and because that's the, that, that kind of thing, the knowledge is priceless. It, yeah. it, money doesn't even have a price on that. Well, I'm taking notes, Maggie, just for myself personally, because you gave me a whole other way of thinking about how I don't have guilt when someone says, well, what? You're too good for us. Now you can't help us, blah, 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 you, you know? And I, I've seen it so many times. You just keep giving and it's never enough and they're never enough. So let's go to the other big question I have for you, which you and I have spoken about this over and over again. And you talked about mindset. And you know how much I know that to be true. Like that's the greatest gift you can help somebody with to reset their mindset. But what if they're not ready and they're family members mm -hmm. and how do you not feel bad or guilty? You, you don't want to help keep giving them money, but they're not there. And how do you prevent yourself? Let me quote this young man. We'll call him Billy Bob. I don't know how to ask Maggie. My dad has done so much for me, but I don't know how to help him. I believe he's an alcoholic. It eats me up. He doesn't have enough food. So I send money for food, but I don't think he's using it for food. Mm -hmm. So I start sending food and now mm -hmm. he won't talk to me because I won't yes. send money. Mm -hmm. Ask her for advice. Mm -hmm. His this name is, will call him Billy Bob. Call him Billy yeah, Bob. this is awesome. Um, every person no matter who you are, how old you are, there you're in your own personal journey. And you have to give yourself permission to, to let them go and, and be. A lot of times, if you're talking about dealing with family members, you stepping in and trying to help them mm. is sometimes nine times out of 10, not, not the ideal thing because they're used to you listening to you. They're used to hearing you. So if you try to help them, they're going to not take it seriously. But if they heard it from someone else that is a lot more powerful uh, and, you know, and has experience, has all these things that they have some sort of kind of respect for um, or realization about who they are, that's when they can open up their ears more and start listening. Um, <laughs> my father, uh, caregiver in the orphanage, there's a couple, and I've never talked about this before. There's a couple that came to the clinic. He would give medical attention for free to the poor in the orphanage every Sunday. And this wife came with her husband and her husband was an alcoholic. And she told my father, I've been trying to help him to quit and everything. And he won't quit. What should I do? And she brought the, the guy. <laughs> this is crazy, but this is what my, my father did. He says, no problem. Come follow me. And he took him to the back of the clinic and there was a casket and it had a stick holding the door up and he kicked the door up and boom, and it hit. And he says, this is yours. It's got your name on it. If you don't change And the guy won. And then he went on talking to him as a doctor, all the reasons why he could have a very short life and miss his family, miss all these things. The guy changed. Because that was a boom, like an impact thing, right? Cool. But also with the medical experience and and what he talked about, and it was so interesting. He and, and the the big boom when he kicked that stick and the coffin closed, it was like it, it reverberated the entire clinic. So this guy was like, you could see his eyes coming up. And sometimes it, it, people need interventions, but a lot of times family members can't do that for them. So you have to, you know. The best thing that you could do is try to appropriate ways to bring people to places to or, or you know, with with other people to help them in the journey. But a lot of times it doesn't work that way for you. And a lot of times it takes a person hitting rock bottom. Rock bottom, I mean, bottom of the pit to be able to want to change. I have a friend um, in um, Michigan and we were taking a class together and he was really tall and fit. Uh, he looked amazing and he always brought his food and ate his food. And he started telling me a story. 
he said, I was so overweight. I was like 400 pounds. And this was a thing like ripped guy. And I said, what happened? He says, one day I hit rock bottom and I look at myself in the mirror and I said, enough is enough. And he changed his life just by making one decision from hitting rock bottom. And decisions in an instant can change your life forever. And here's the big thing. Every day is a new day. This is why I always talk about remember to remember. I have this battle board behind me. And every day when I turn it on, I see my why. I see my goals, my affirmations, everything that I want to get done for a day. I quiz myself. If you're your own performance coach, what would you tell yourself today? These are powerful things. And if I didn't do, if I, Sandy, if I stopped doing my morning routines one day when I travel, if I don't do it one day when I come back, I've forgotten. And so you have to remember to remember uh, and approach it with, with love, joy, passion, because I know that every time I do my morning routine, it's just going to make me feel so amazing the rest of the day. That is taking control of my life, not letting life control me. And unfortunately, with everything that we have going on in the world, there's a lot of things that you can watch and see and hear. And it automatically it takes over your world and now you've let the world control you. The point is we all have a choice and we have our bodies, our minds, our subconscious, our hearts, and we have that choice to decide how we're going to feel today, how we're going to live the day, because this time in space right now, as I'm speaking, is going to be fleeing. It's going to be gone. So this time right now is the most important time. And the question is, am I living intentionally? And I just want to say something. Are you wearing your intentional uh, ring intention? She's wearing ring intention. See, that's a perfect thing. That's an awesome thing that we give our speaker mastery members because it keeps you intentional. You move it to another finger. You remember to remember, right? That word of the oh, day. Oh, yeah. And, and it's so powerful. And, and this is what we need to do. It's, it's like one emotion, one pain, one sadness. It can spiral you down, or you can choose to say, I got this. I can, you know, in spite of the circumstances. You know, there's this um, young woman, she's in her 30s, and she's a mother of four. And she said she came down the steps two weeks ago and was like, hey, you know, she wakes up happy, you know? And her husband said to her, how can you be so happy with all that's going on in the world? Don't, that's kind of selfish. Mm -hmm. She said, Maggie, I know I should have had a good response, but I didn't. What would you say to that? I had a similar experience when I was growing. Oh, my, yeah. When I was growing my salsa company, um, I would come in so joyful to the production, to the office every single day. And I was joyful. I got my team together. We did push-ups together to get them going. And then we did affirmations. We did all kinds of stuff. And my <laughs> office manager, my office manager uh, said to me one day, and she said it with this expression on her face, why are you so positive? It's like, why? Like, you shouldn't be so positive like that. It was like a judgment call for me. And immediately it stopped me. I had to think about it. I had to go away in my office and be like, oh my gosh, like it's a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, my answer, my answer to, to her is don't let other people sway you from your joy. She didn't understand. She, she turned off my joy. She turned off my passion, my fire. Yeah. And when I realized that I decided this person is probably not, not the right person to be in my life. And I'm not going to let any outside circumstances, no matter what people tell me, to change how I feel and my joy, because this is what's driving the, the driving force of everything success that I'm doing with my business, personal, spiritually. And it, it's, it's, it boggles my mind how easy a comment on social media or something like that could, could destroy people. But we have the power to control that. Yeah. What's what's going on with other people is really none of my business. My business is my joy. Mm. You know, Maggie, this just happened to me recently. I was not used to it. I was at a 
big networking event. And I was dressed in my Philly, all this, all fun stuff, right? And I, I'm, you see how I am. I'm happy, whatever. And it's usually all for women, but a man came in and a friend of mine introduced him, like, we'll just keep him anonymous. And, and she was telling what I did. And she's like, oh yeah, besides teaching these mental fitness courses and speaking, she also wrote a series of books and journals. And the guy looked at me and he said, you, you wrote a book? I said, yeah, me. And he said, you wrote a book. I said, matter of fact, I wrote three. And he goes, oh, like it mattered. Like who published? You published? I go, even if I did, that's amazing. But no, Simon and Schuster. And my friend, I don't even want to tell you what my friends around said, <laughs> but I was shocked that still to this day with what I've accomplished, but I have to tell you, I didn't think it would bother me. Mm -hmm. It bothered me. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know what I just said. I probably didn't say the right things. I'm a wise butt, but it hurt me. The reason why that's happening is because when people approach us like that, they have nothing really going on for their lives. They don't see possibility that anything like a book is possible for them. Some of them, some of it might be jealousy. Some of them might be, I can't believe it. It's not possible. Like you, like, why not me? But they've never taken the initiative to do anything. So um, don't let anybody sway you. Um, it's really interesting how you're saying that because that exact thing, the same thing happened to me. Um, but they asked me, you really wrote this book? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, after an event, after speaking. And oh. I said, yeah. And, and I said, they're like, you mean you didn't have a ghostwriter? Some, oh. Somebody didn't write it for you? And I'm like, no, I personally sat down and wrote this book. And it, it seems like it's not possible, but it's because where they're at, it's not in the same, at the same level energetically, joyfully that you are. Yeah. And it's it's so easy for people to turn that off that fire. Yeah. But instead, be an example of inspiration. Uh, you can get rid of people's jealousy when you show up a different way. Yeah. Because when you show up at a different way that's inspiring, you inspire them to say, to th start thinking, oh, my gosh, what is possible for me? I'm not just talking about a book here. I'm yeah. talking about anything and everything in life that could be an up level for them. Yeah. You are a gift in other people's lives that when people see you, they feel your joy because it's coming truly genuinely from within and you truly care about people. And when people sense and feel that, even if they have something negative to say or, or, or do just because that's what their life is. Gotcha. You begin to change them. It's true. So that when they show up and you continue to show up, you know, with them or for them, you begin to see people change. Um, yeah. I had an experience in college. I was interior design was my degree. And I was, I remember it was my freshman year. And there Wait was, a minute, how did I miss that? That was your degree in interior, yeah. interior design? Yeah. Shut the front yeah. door. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so I was in my first year and the way that we were divided in classes, this was a hallway and then there's rooms here, classrooms in here and classrooms on the other side. And you could see people through the windows. And there's this young woman that uh, was very angry all the time. And she was lashing out of every, at everybody. Uh, and she was a higher grade, I think, second or third year. And I noticed that any time anybody interacted with her, she screamed and bashed them and made them feel very, very little. And most of the time, what would happen was that they would respond equally or high, higher in, you know, anger and stuff like that. Yeah. So I said to myself, because I saw it happen a lot, it's going to happen to me someday. So what am I going to do? How am I going to prepare for this person? So the day came, I interacted with her and it was purely nice. She lashed out at me, screamed at me, belittled me, everything. And I looked at her and I smiled and I said, it's okay. And I can't remember what I said to her, but I was so kind to her that the reaction that she was expecting from me was the opposite of what I gave her. 
that she didn't know what to do with that. She was stopped in her tra- tracks. She didn't know how to respond at all. When that happened, she went away. And when we interacted again, she was as kind as you could ever think. And people I would ask me, what happened? <laughs> how come she's like this with you, but with us, she's like that? And it's how you show up. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that's so good, though, that you prepared. You're like, okay, well, she's going to hit me sooner or later. So think ahead of what you want to do. I love that. Yes. All right, Maggie, I want to... I have so many bookmarks in this book and you are a fabulous storyteller and there's so many that you just have to get the book. So that's just a given, but I want to go to one of the segments where you, you talk about this a lot and how you were choosing happiness, even in horrific situations. How as a child did you know to do that? I mean, because I for, I don't know what age you were when you started saying that to yourself, because I think, what, there are up to 200 kids in the orphanage? Yes. Mm-hmm. I would ask the same question to, to you, Sandy. I know, because, but this is about you. Okay, <laughs> because this is like, you know, you've lived the same life, and it, it all comes down to this. We all have a choice to choose how we're going to feel, no matter the circumstances. I lived in this cave in, in, in the orphanage, right? You see in my story video, I mean, everything's there. And my biggest thing that got me out of the life and the reality of the situation was the hope for something better. But I also used my mind to see myself in a happier place, to envision myself, future cast myself as a super successful person. And I knew that my attitude was going to get me there even though I had to wait 18 freaking years to come out of that orphanage. To me, I could have easily seen that experience as a jail because you can't leave. But instead is what is it that I can learn from this experience? But also what is it that I can tap into? Because we are all capable of tapping into something bigger than ourselves. They can guide us, uh, give us information. I mean, these are the things I started meditating in this cave without knowing I was meditating. I was writing my goals. I was future casting myself. I was visioning stuff that I never read until I read read on books when I came to America, because there's all kinds of self-help books, but we all have access to this stuff. And sometimes people are like, well, how come this? How come that? How did you do that? And for me, the most powerful thing and sacred thing for me in my entire life has been the ability to quiet my mind when I'm struggling. Or even if I have a problem that I can't figure out, I will take it to me with me to bed. And I will ask before I go to sleep, can you give me, please give me some answers? And I'll keep a notepad by my bedside and I will wake up like this in the middle of the night and I'll write it down. Oh. And I go back to sleep because if I didn't have that notepad, I wouldn't be able to sleep the rest of the night because I'd be like getting up and trying to, but it's, you'd be very surprised that if you ask for things, for solutions, for people, places, circumstances to show up, they show up, but you have to be ready in your why, your focus. There's a reason why we want things in life. And it's very much tied up to uh, the ultimate outcome that we want to see, how we want to see ourselves in the future. It's about how often you hold that in mind and how powerful it becomes that it can change. Even though today, like let's say today I decided to change the progress of today might not suffice the whole picture of what I want to accomplish. But today is just that one piece of the puzzle of the things that I need to look at that will move me towards that direction. And you can accomplish a lot if you don't have a positive optimist mind, a grateful, grateful mind, a gratitude mind. If you're not kind with people, because if you're not kind with people, that means you're not kind with yourself. Everything that you are and you do is an emanation of who you are truly inside from deep within. And the reactions from the world, whatever the world is throwing, is throwing at you, 
you don't have you don't have to react to it like that person in college. You have a choice. And then you can ask yourself, why? I want to know why. Can you tell me? Meditate. Why did this happen? What is it that I need to learn? And it, it completely changes the way that you look at things and the way that you look at the world. And all of a sudden, you don't look at a world of pessimism, of, of a world of war, a hunger, a poverty, of abuse. You look at, at the world where you are now as a beacon of hope and light that you can be and do something bigger than yourself to be able to be that inspiration because you're that light that can begin to light up the darkness and other people's worlds. And that is a gift. And that is a powerful why to existing. You know, Maggie, <laughs> I just love you, but you're aware that I work with high school kids. I'm going in and working with programs, high-risk kids. And I was meeting with some of the therapists and psychiatrists and teachers. And I was telling them about you and that you might be willing to pop in virtually. And they said, ask Maggie if she has any advice to help these kids not stay in victim mode because their biggest thing they feel is, yes, they're very supportive of these kids, but when they graduate high school, that they're not going to succeed because they still, which we understand, feel sorry for themselves, bad for themselves. Like if you knew my life and they stay in that victim mode, how do you get through to them? Because they, they haven't figured it out. Where you start out in life does not defined, define where you end. Where you start in life doesn't define where you end. And um, it's part of being in that neighborhood. It's part of being in that family situation that all they see is this lack or there's sorrow and all these things. But graduating is an opportunity to carry on in the world to be and do something different, mm -hmm. something bigger, something new, something that your parents weren't able to achieve, something that your siblings weren't able to achieve. And you have the power to create all that. And it starts right here. The way that you see yourself, the way that you see yourself is just a projection of what you could become in the future. I love that. I love that, Maggie. All right. I want to skip ahead because I've never heard anyone refer to this about on page 66, <laughs> the mind. You know, I love studying the mind. Talk about the conscious mind. You say spirit. I've never heard this. And the subconscious mind is your soul. Oh, my goodness. Like, why? I, I've never, I mean, I, I know about the conscious mind, subconscious mind. But why do you equate one to one and one to the other? So the conscious mind yeah. is the spirit. Yeah. The subconscious mind is the soul. So the soul, there's so much there. There's experiences. The subconscious mind remembers every single detail of your entire life. That is the soul. This is why when traumatic events happen to you, and become triggers and something triggers you, you have to go back and say, why did this happen? Is it related to something in the past? That subconscious is sort of like the, like the tally of all the things that you did in life and how you lived your life. kind of like, and then religious institutions, they say, you know, you go to heaven, God is going to review all your entire life. That is the soul. That is the, the deeper part of yourself that is bigger than you than what the conscious can see or feel or, or do. Because mm. it's got all these experiences. It's sort of, sort of like a master CPU computer that you have to go back and look at the files to see which one was corrupt and try to get it out of there, right? Uh, that is the part that if you work on that, you can expand it, you can grow it, you can make so much with it that not only transform your life, but it becomes a beacon of helping other people transform theirs because you've been through that experience. And this is why the beauty of going through adversity and hard times is, uh, is, a, is a gift. As a life coach, as a business coach, when people come to me, I'm able to help them because of the experiences that I've had. And they're all part of that story, part of that deep ingrained subconscious stuff. Everything that you do, even what the things that you allow to come into your life on TV, all these things, they go into your subconscious and they're, they're there forever. 
And if you're wondering triggers, go back to the files. You can find it and you can overcome because who you are today is not seeing, seeing those files the same way that you were seeing them when you were a little kid. That's true. That's true. I who, you are, yeah. who you are today, who you are today can see from a spiritually mature point of view, they can actually solve and change things so that they don't happen again. Because a lot of nine times out of 10, when I get uh, people that I coach um, and they're stuck with something in, in life or business has nothing to do with their business, has everything to do with something that happened in the past that either said, okay, I get to this much success and everything changes. It stops. Why? That was the truth with me. But I saw that the patterns came from my parents, what I saw from my caregivers. Yeah. And when I chose to change that, everything changes because you, you learn so much from observing others that you don't realize you're actually imprinting that in your subconscious mind, in your soul. And you take it with you and you can take it forever. If you were to work on yourself every single day for the rest of your life on just your soul, your subconscious part of it, you would never finish your work because there's so many experiences. But what's important is to focus on joy, focus on the things that you can control, which is this. And grow from the experiences of overcoming those things that were stopping you then that you know you can overcome now. I always tell myself I'm going to cycle in, cycle out a lot of times. Keep coming in, coming out, work on something else. All right, Maggie, because this is the big one. And you talk about no is never forever. And how many times you heard no until you got in the door. Yes. And I don't want to give away everything, but. 90 rejections is a lot. Yes. How did you pump yourself up to make that cold call again? Knowing like, oh my God, like, here we go again. And no, it's just a step closer to the first yes. And the, the yes could be a big, big yes. When I went out and reached out to all these supermarkets and 90 rejected me, I had to make a decision because I was passionate. I, was my, I knew my why. I knew what I wanted to do. And I had to make that decision. And with that decision comes when something stops you in life, what are you going to do? Are you going to just drop everything? Are you going to try to go through that wall? I'll bring a sledgehammer. Are you going to try to go over it, under it, whichever way that you can? When you persevere and go through, figure out how to go through, the rest can be history, just like it was for me. That year, we went from $12,000 a year to $1.9 million a year with just one supermarket. And that was Whole Foods because I called them. I turned the list upside down. It was the largest one. It was the scariest one. I left a message. I was afraid of, uh, that they would answer because I, you know, I was afraid of cold calling. And, uh, and it was scary. Yeah. And, and it changed everything. And sometimes you just need, just need that one yes. Um, back then, there was hardly any salsa companies, fresh salsa companies. And if I would have given up, I would have lost all this opportunity. Because right now, to get into the market, it's so saturated because people love fresh salsa now, right? Ah. And if I would have missed my angels, I wouldn't have had the success, the opportunity to, to be an impact and, and an inspiration because with my products came the story. Cause I told the supermarkets wanted me to tell my story in the, in the container. So I did. And I would say, you know, it's so easy to stop short of gold. Somebody else will get it. Yeah. yeah. When you have an idea, have the courage, baby steps of courage. I say that to keep moving forward. There's not, there's never a no if you passionately know your, your true sense of purpose and why behind that. Sometime the breakthrough is going to happen. I don't care what it is. I can tell you that because I lived it. I've experienced it. And it's sort of like, um, you might describe it as a miracle, but it's a miracle that you create. And it's a miracle that you have the power to create. Oh, Maggie, you, I could talk to you 
for hours. You have months of podcast interviews here and they to inspire so many, but we're running out of time. And I just want to switch gears here and talk about you went from that to speaking on massive stages. What what happened? You're like, I want to do some keynotes. Because yeah, a lot happened. I, I I was asked to give talks when I started becoming successful with my business, and I'm such an introvert. I was always afraid of speaking on publicly on stages, but because the request came so strong, especially after being in the news. Um, I started speaking, but I had no idea what I was doing. And it was, I was shaking. I was afraid. I was on a stage and I was doing all this stuff. But it wasn't until I sold my company to Campbell Soup that I realized that you could get paid to speak. And I began the journey then to learn everything that I could possibly learn about getting on a stage, getting hired to pay to speak. And, and it was a, a, a process, a journey, just like you've learned with Speaker Mastery. Uh, of perseverance, but also creating the things that you need to have that brand perceived value, the know, like, and trust, the topics, you know, the website, the story video, speaker reels, all that stuff. Um, it, 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 I realized how powerful it was. The moment that you say my fee is 10, 10K or 20K or 40K, you know, uh, they're going to always say this, this what she say in, in her fee match how she's showing up website story video topics even how you're dressed does it match and that is brand perceived value too yeah yeah so you've been speaking a lot lately yes can you tell us about one you've done recently that the one was that i did oh i'm sorry go ahead Oh, that's okay. I was going to say that you had the most fun with, like the most. <laughs> okay. Was the okay. This was the most fun, like the people, uh -huh. crowd, the audience, everything. Yes. I would say uh, my most fun ones are my most recent ones. Cause I, uh, every time I speak, I always look for ways to improve so that I can make an impact. Uh, the last one that I spoke on was last week was uh, Chicago in Chicago for an organization called Chicago Braven. And they, uh, they're a nonprofit. They help minority students, especially those who are first generation, which means that their parents didn't go to school. Oh. They help them with a lot of resources and also how to transition from uh, school to real life situations. And I had a blast with them. Um, it's the first time that somebody told me that I was a, um, uh, how do you say, somebody that makes people laugh a lot? Um, yeah. <laughs> because... I yeah, I got my funny out and I made them cry, but I made them laugh so hard. And yeah, they said you're a comedian, and it's the first time that I heard it. And I loved, yeah, I've applied more funny to my talks, to, you know, because you have to do that, right? You can't end on a sad note. Yeah. And uh, and it was so fun. I even got my cartoon voice out during Ooh. the. So. Um, it's recorded. I can't wait to to watch it, but it was so much fun. I think that a, a gig becomes so much more fun when you are more prepared, the more prepared you are for, to give that, even if it's customized, the more joy you're going to have, the more expression, the more, because one of the things that I do when I, I'm on stage, I always ask the universe God to always give me uh, serendipitous moments where I can react or if something happens in the audience that I could, um, how do you say, uh, run with it and talk about it and make a joke out of it or something like that. Uh, improv. Yeah. And that is, yeah. It's spontaneous. Yeah. It's, it's so important. And that alone has allowed me to come more out of my shell. And I s often say to myself, Oh my gosh, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did have my cartoon voice with, uh, C-level executives from a food distributing company and they all laughed and I was like, I did that, but they all laughed. I'm like, okay, it's okay to do that. Yeah. You have expressed yourself genuinely. Uh, when you do, there, there's the opportunity to connect with your audience. This is such a heightened level and it can make a change. So what are you going to do in the next year? What do you want to do? 
with your company, with your books, with your speaking engagements? What are you going to focus on or all of it? Oh my gosh, we could sit here for another hour to talk about oh. those things. But um, there, oh, there's- She doesn't stop. She doesn't stop. I, I know you don't. You, you're always going. You're always moving forward, which I love. Yes. There's there's always um, big projects and big things to do. The, po- the important thing is what is the one project that I really want to focus on to make it a great success and then focus on it? Because one of the things that can be very easy to get- derailed is when you say you want to do all these things and then you don't really focus hundred percent on one and make it successful and you spread yourself thin and then you don't get anything done. So pick one thing. Uh, my goal right now is speaker mastery is to be able to grow it in big ways to be able to help more people uh, to by um, streamlining the processes, making it better, uh, focusing on community making sure like one of the awesome things that I love about the work that I've done with you guys, and you still have a whole year with me from the start of the program, because I want to make sure that I'm there for you. Ask me anything's on Fridays to make sure that if there's any questions that I'm, I'm able to support you. And I share my journeys with you guys too. If I speak at an event, Hey, this is what I learned, all this stuff. So that, that is a part of the joy. And I think that I've done so much with speaking, but I'm still learning and growing every single time. And it's, um, it, it feels like uh, it makes me come alive. And it's part of my, my purpose, my intention, my why. Um, a big, big focus. That's a big, big focus. The other second big focus that I could share with you is I'm focusing more this year on my mental health. I'm talking about mental performance uh, mm-hmm. and health. Because I've come to realize that you cannot be the powerful spiritual being that you want to be if your health is not taken care of. If my brain is not performing well, I won't be able to function. I won't be able to remember my talking points. I could have panic attack. I mean, I've had those before, right? But it's so important. Uh, I've started taking care of that recently. And I realized that my last several events completely changed because by the time that we get to q a i'm exhausted my brain like when people are asking me questions i'm trying like to really listen because i feel like the question is going to go away out of my completely different and it's when you start caring, taking care of yourself when you take care of yourself you are injecting energy powerful uh spirituality positiveness you know into your life and that gives you the the, the, the power to be able to make an impact in a su- such a higher level that the way that you show up is going to really inspire others to change because of that level of energy that you show up with. Oh, Maggie, how lucky I am that I met you. We need to go, unfortunately, wrap up. But before we do, how can they find you? I know you're all over, but I want to know everything. And where can they get your book? Speaking engagements. How can they work with you, your coaching, your mastery classes? Yes. Um, You can just go to one place and that is maggiecook.com. It's Maggie with one G. Uh, All my social media is there. All everything is there. Um, If you want to go to mymaggie.com, Maggie with one G, it's my digital business card as well. All everything's there. But oh. if you go to if you go to social media, you find me everywhere under Maggie Cook, um, just like that. Maggie with one G, Cook everywhere. So that's how they get everything. Maggie, thank you so much for being on the show. You're I loved every single minute. But before we go, is there anything else we didn't get in that you want to say to the people around the world? Gosh, I would say that the most important thing that you should focus on and remember to remember every single day is that all you have is this moment that counts. What's it going to be? Love it. All right, my let's keep it real people. I told you she was awesome. Don't worry. When we record this, I'm going to put it everywhere. So share it, like it, rate it. Maggie and I would really appreciate that. And until next time, you know what I'm going to say. Thanks, Maggie, and toodles. Thanks for listening. 
Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show, and remember, keep spreading the positive.